0: So I think it's totally fine when you go and splurge on the nice truck that you want or that nice power tool that you've always been eyeing or, you know, that vacation that you've always been dreaming of. It's when you get the really high recurring expenses month over month over month. That's what kills you. And that's what puts people in debt and, you know, jeopardizes their financial future.
1: Welcome to the FI show you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. Today, we're going to have a little update on our lives. We're going to talk about this past week at FinCon, but before we get into that, let me
1: check in with my co-host, Justin. What's up, man? Hey, Cody. Well, you should kind of know what I've been up to since we were both at FinCon together. But after you left, you know, we did have a couple days between then and now, and that was basically just used for grabbing some new stuff for the house, unloading some stuff at the new house, and watching a grotesque amount of football. How about you?
0: Well, you're definitely right about the beginning of the week, Justin. I pretty much knew your entire schedule because we were together the whole time down in Austin, Texas, but I ended up flying out on Saturday after a couple of the last FinCon sessions. Sunday was just a day to de-stress, decompress. FinCon was a lot, but it was awesome reconnecting with everybody. We're definitely going to reflect a bit on that in today's episode. And now I'm kind of fully rebooted back to my normal old self and actually reinvigorated. I was really inspired and, you know, all the conversations, some of the sessions we went to, to kind of just take my businesses to the next level. And before we get into all that, let's take a quick moment for our partner. Keeping track of your net worth is one of the most important things you can do on your journey to financial independence. If you don't have an idea of what your net worth is, there's no way that you can keep your quote unquote score. One of our favorite tools to keep this score is called personal capital. If you haven't already started using it, it's an online software that basically compiles all of your data, it crunches all your assets, all your liabilities, and spits out a net worth number and allows you to track it day by day,
1: month by month. Yeah, Cody, one of the big things that hold people back when they're doing activities like tracking their expenses or tracking their net worth, is just they look at it as a big burden and this allows you to go in with one username and one password and access as many financial accounts as you have these can be loans these can be 401ks these can be hsas bank accounts credit cards they're all linked there the other thing i really like about personal capital is it's very investing focused so you can go in there and look at your allocation across your entire portfolio so you don't just look at your allocation in one type of account but your allocation as a person completely And if you want to use the same tool that me and Cody use to track our net worth, which is completely free, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash PC. That's thefyshow.com slash PC.
0: So Justin, a couple episodes back, you mentioned you got this free storage unit. You got like your entire house furnished for, I think it was around $3,000. And you're like, I'll tell that story in
1: another episode. We're in another episode now. How in the world did you manage that? Yeah, it was one of those kind of snowball events. It was pretty hilarious. So we, um, you know, I wake up in the morning. We're crazy on Facebook marketplace right now because of the new house and something pops up and it's this like perfect couch. We wanted a sectional. We wanted like an ottoman. We wanted a separate chair. We wanted something that was kind of modern. We were hoping to, to do like a leather or a faux leather. And this just kind of checked all the boxes because we'd been looking at couches. And unfortunately. I've never really looked to buy new furniture before. And it was insane. Even cheap cloth stuff is like $1,500. We saw a couch that was $14,000. It was just a cloth sectional at a more uppity store. You go to do leather and everything doubles. Even the faux leather, because almost nothing is real leather anymore. But anyways, so we see this on there. It's the full set for like 650 bucks. I'm like, we got to figure out a way to get it. We'll just shoehorn it into our apartment. It'll be fine. Even though I know I've said this a million times, for some reason you're listening and never heard it. Our apartment now is 375 square feet. So when I say shoehorn a couch, chair, and ottoman in it, I, I literally mean that. Like it was going to be stacked to the ceiling or something. But it's like such a good deal. We're going to figure it out. Borrow a pickup truck from a buddy. Rent a U-Haul trailer, which is like 35 bucks. Not bad. Go up there to get it. It's like 40, 45 minutes away. But we're thinking, all right, we'll just go up there, scoop it up. We'll be home in no time. Get the truck back to my buddy. We'll get up there, and the guy's super nice. And basically, he's like, hey, since you can speak coherent sentences in our own time, which is like the gold standard on Facebook Marketplace, he's like, let me show you some other things I got in the house. He shows me a big, like, 65-inch TV that's a current year model he shows me this this crazy bedroom set that's like a king with the with the mattress, the sheets, the pillows, it's got like lights built into the headboard, it's like super modern. It's got these two really nice other couches and a and a glass table, some nice clocks, all kinds of stuff. And but he just kind of starts going through it and naming things and naming things and I just work out a deal with like to do the full package for $3000 and he accepts it. And so we're like, well, that's kind of crazy. I mean, much like our house where we ended up found our realtor on a Wednesday, looked at houses on a Friday, got an offer accepted on a Monday. It was just very rapid. It just all happened so quick where we're thinking it's going to take us weeks to furnish this thing. But then the best part is the guy, shout out to Bill, who has recently moved up to New Hampshire, is like, well, you know, guys, I know you are trying to figure out a place to store all this. And now that you've bought so much stuff, like you definitely got to have a storage unit. It's going to take us two trips, 45 minutes out and back to put this in a storage unit down near us. He's like, I've got a storage unit just like basically across the street. If you'll help me get a couple boxes out of y'all can just use it. I'll pay an extra month of the bill. And, you know, as long as you get it out by mid-October, we're golden. And so that's what we did. So not only did we get a great deal on all the furnishings, but we also got a free month of a storage unit, you know, also some drinks out of it. Cause Bill's like, man, like, let, let me get you a beer. Let me get you a beer. And I finally, <laughs> I, I finally caved in because it was like 100 degrees while we we're moving all this stuff. Well, shout out to Bill. That
0: is super generous and awesome. And it sounds like everything worked out and you're starting to
1: unload that now. Have you started to unload the storage unit? We haven't started to unload the storage unit. We've started to move over to kind of like the small stuff, which is something that's super nice about this move. You know, normally it's everything goes in the truck one day, everything comes out of the truck one day. But this, we're able to start moving over small stuff that's, like, in our current place. And then this Saturday, we'll go get the big stuff out of the storage unit and move it into the house.
0: And so $3,000 to furnish a house is absolutely insane, Justin. But what's even more insane is what you, quote-unquote, paid to buy this house up front. you want to share that? Because <laughs> when you told me at FinCon, I'm like, there's no way this is even legal. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so when we're at the title company, our realtor, like no one had ever seen where someone actually not only got all their money back, but was making money on the purchase of a house, like making money on the transaction. Obviously, a lot of people in real estate say that you make the money when you purchase it, and they're just referring to the fact they get a good deal. But this is saying like we made money on the transaction of the home, which no one had ever seen before. And the reason this all worked out and the reason it got complicated is because you can only technically get out as much as you put in as far as option earnest money from the title company. So kind of the math going into this is, you know, we had put in our earnest and option money, which was a total of $12,000 because Austin's a little crazy right now. So you kind of have to show your series. And I ended up getting to do the VA loan, which is means you don't have to put any money down. And with interest rates as low as they are now, my philosophy is, you know, slow roll it as much as you can, put as little cash into it as you can, extend the mortgage out as long as you can because I believe that I'll make more money in the market than the 2.6% interest rate that I got on the house. So I'm obviously going to get all that earnest and option money back, but it costs money generally to buy a house. But because we found a realtor who was a family friend and gave us a percent of their fee back, that 1% back of that fee actually equated to more money than it costs to do all the transactional work to buy the house. And so it got really complicated at the end where they were having to just go ahead and put some money towards the principal of our house, give us all our money back. We had to get some money directly back from the realty company. Like just like the the title company's like, we can only give you $12,000 back. So we got to figure out some way to get you the rest of your money. So that was pretty hilarious. And so what was
0: that net number? Like what was the final number that you made from the house purchase?
1: I think it was like $1,675.
0: So to those of you out there who have VA loans with realtor friends, this is something that's possible. I had literally never heard of anyone doing this before. Justin, I'm sure you're not the first person in history, but you're the first person in my immediate circle who's taken full advantage of the system. And it just seems like such a crazy, awesome opportunity to get your hands in some real estate.
1: Yeah. I mean, no matter how many people we've had on the show about real estate, definitely learned a ton about that. And I think that's probably a great idea for us to do another show in the future where we go through all the, the real in the weed mechanics of buying the house, not just like sourcing the neighborhoods and that sort of thing, but literally the paperwork, the different stages, the different uh, vocabularies that you need to know. Just all that real nitnoid detail that I know I would have enjoyed knowing uh, before I bought my first home because I feel like I just got like a Ph.D. in this process.
0: Yeah, that will definitely have to be a future episode because I totally agree. When I first went into that home buying process, there was so many random little things that I just didn't realize I had to do, like paperwork stuff, physical stuff, and just so many other things that go into the buying process. But Justin, I kind of want to pivot here, and we did mention at the beginning of the episode, this past week, I flew down to Austin, Texas for FinCon, and it was just a few short steps or you know a quick lime or bird ride away from your apartment And it was just so reinvigorating, like I mentioned, to see all these people to attend these sessions. And I had so many awesome takeaways. I'm just wondering what you thought of this year. It was definitely a bit different. Wasn't as many people as previous FinCons. You know, there was a lot more virtual attendees. Some people couldn't even attend FinCon from other countries because of those travel restrictions. But all in all, I just thought it was an awesome experience. And I haven't quite had anything like that since FinCon back in 2019. What'd you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, FinCon is an event that I'm always going to go to as long as it exists. I can't think of a reason why I would ever miss it because, you know, it's that one place where all these people that we get to meet online and get to build relationships with, we get to see them in person. And, you know, I know you mentioned earlier, like it just really reinvigorates you to be around these people who are just so like-minded like ourselves And I mean, like you mentioned, it it was a little different this year. Obviously, COVID's made everything different. It was especially different for me because FinCon was in Austin and I live in Austin. And so I think anytime that happens, it makes you just kind of take things a little less like serious or whatever. Like normally, I probably would have been, you know, planning around it. It would have felt like more of an event because I would have been traveling to something. I would have been lining up other places I want to go see and whatever, but for me, it was like, uh, you know, like I'll cross the street and get over there when I when I get ready to. <laughs> but super glad that I still went. Had a great time. Didn't have the big kickoff party that we normally do, but day two, you know, it hit its stride. We had all the great happy hours and things that FinCon is known for. And I mean, if you want to get a bunch of frugal people excited, then just have an open bar and some free food. And you'll see these people get more excited than you've ever seen them in your life.
0: Yeah, shout out to BlockFi for sponsoring probably the biggest, funnest party of FinCon. And they probably didn't budget for all the financial people who are looking to save a bunch of money <laughs> as they should have. But yeah, I mean, it was a four hour long open bar with awesome hors d'oeuvres too. They had really good food and it was just a blast. Like I said, catching up with everybody. What I noticed there was some different people this year. And, you know, this is something that didn't exist two years ago was TikTok, and I thought it was really interesting, Justin, on Thursday night, we went to like this TikTok mansion, like the creator house is what they called it. It was all these TikTokers, it was literally people from like 18 to, you know, mid 20s, just absolutely crushing it, like, you know, 3 million followers, 8 million followers, 1.5 million followers. And these are people who just kind of took TikTok from the beginning, they started, you know, creating videos, creating content, and just gathering this huge following. And It was crazy to hear them ask us questions about like, You know, audience retention, building an email list, how to monetize, how even how to build a website. You know, these people have three plus million followers on TikTok. They haven't built a website yet. They haven't figured out how to monetize. So it was just really interesting. And I think there's just so much new fun stuff in the space. So there's a lot of new companies coming in. I mean, I'm talking about social media right now, but there's a lot of companies kind of based around crypto. And there was none of those really back in 2019 when we went to FinCon last in Washington, D.C., like I just mentioned, BlockFi. They were one of the biggest sponsors for one of the biggest events at FinCon this year. And so that was something that was really interesting and fun for me was walking around the exhibition hall, getting to talk to all these new companies, see what they're doing, see what kind of the new stuff in the personal finance market is, not to mention the six t-shirts, five water bottles, four hats, and (laughs) many socks and million business cards I got. But Yeah, that was exciting to kind of just see what's going on in the personal finance arena, because it kind of always gives us a gauge of what we can expect over the next year, kind of ahead of the market.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also a good reminder of just like how much things change. And I know we had a conversation with the folks at the TikTok house about how important it is if you have a business or you have an online presence, that you own something outside of whatever those platforms are that you're primarily using, because you never know when it's going to change. You never know when the next thing comes along and just destroys TikTok. Because, I mean, it's going to happen someday, even though it seems like maybe hard to believe right now. Also, it's one of those things where it's just so important to keep your eye out for these new investment opportunities. Like you said, I mean, there was nobody talking about crypto at FinCon a few years ago. Even like this year, there was that Acre Invest company who lets you basically do similar to like a syndication real estate deal or a REIT deal with farmland. And it's like, wow, like I never even thought about that. And if you, while there's a lot of power to just buying low-cost index funds, set it and forget it, and that is where 90% of my investments kind of are, it's important to keep an eye out there because you never know when things change and when there's better opportunities that come along for you at least to to sprinkle in a little bit, kind of just hedge your bets. Another cool company that I talked
0: to the marketing guy for a while was Arrived Home. So I don't know if you talked to them, Justin, but basically it's like you have a hundred dollar minimum and you buy shares in investment properties. And so this is perfect for someone who's like, you know, not ready to buy a full investment property, but they want exposure to the real estate market. They want to get their hands a little bit dirtier than REITs and you're going to get like a five to 7% return. So I thought that was just another cool, you know, company that's kind of doing this new fractional thing where just, Everything's becoming so much more accessible to investors. Like even a couple of years ago, before all these brokerages started offering fractional shares, it would be impossible for someone to buy, you know, a share of Amazon to get started investing or a share of Berkshire Hathaway. But now you can put, you know, a dollar or $5 in and you own this tiny fraction. And it seems like that's just happening industry across industry across industry. And it's kind of commoditizing, all these different asset classes where people 10 20 years ago might have not even been able to get exposure like commodities like you just mentioned with Acre Trader that's something you know buying a farm like you'd have to have millions of dollars to take over a farm and you know diversify your portfolio that way but now it's as little as 10,000 and it'll probably even get smaller and smaller in the future as they start fractionalizing these asset classes even more we'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors today's sponsor is one i use on a daily basis in my company Gold City Ventures that is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth. One dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug-and-play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Now back to the show.
1: Yeah, I think probably a common theme, whether it be talking about, I mean, even if you're talking about like TikTok from a social media standpoint and the amount of people you can reach or these insane large deals that you can become a part of with a small amount of money, that common theme is like a democratization, uh, like a breaking of the barriers to entry for people. It's allowing not only these like ultimate, elite, super rich people to get the benefits of some of these things, it's allowing everyone to kind of get their hands in the pot of large investment properties, large farming institutions, it's kind of taking and, and spreading things across the masses and allowing everyone to benefit from it with a much, much smaller barrier to entry.
0: And this is somewhat related, kind of like barrier to entry in a different way though. And it's kind of just like the 1% better every day. But what's really inspiring to me is, you could know, literally close your eyes in a room at FinCon and say there's a bunch of people in there, close your eyes and just point, and you're probably pointing at a millionaire. You know, these people are just people who have saved diligently, they've started a business, and maybe they just started like one Instagram post a day, or one TikTok a day, or one blog post a week, or whatever that thing might be. And it's just the consistency, it's just doing it over and over again. And like I said, these people now have these wildly successful businesses, but it didn't happen overnight. I remember actually talking to Jeremy from the Personal Finance Club Instagram, and two years ago, 2019, so this is literally, I think it was after FinCon, so this is less than two years, he had 300 followers on Instagram. Now he has 300,000 followers. And now it's his full time job. And all it did was him posting every day, engaging, doing Instagram stories. So like, if you're someone who's kind of standing on the sidelines, you're not sure you're not sure if you're ready, you're like, look at all these people crushing it. They already have 100 blog posts, they're already making real money, it seriously takes just like one step in the right direction every single day. All it takes is that consistency. And you can be at the level of some of these people that we saw at FinCon, it might take a couple of years But if you never make that first step, then you'll never get there. So that was just something that was really inspiring to me when I see these people with multi-million dollar blogs and multi-million dollar websites. I'm like, I could be there in a couple of years. You know, if I keep on chugging, if I keep making the right moves, if I keep just one foot after the other, I don't have to be doing these huge, grandiose things. All I have to be doing, staying consistent, putting out content and being smart about it.
1: And along that same vein, you know, the other thing is if you're out there and you're looking to get into that and like, okay, yep, I'm going to start whatever it is, and I'm going to get 1% better is that you don't just have to look at the last person that you saw, you know, on a YouTube channel, the last person you heard on a podcast and try to copycat them exactly, because there's such a variety. There's so many different ways. Like you go to FinCon, everybody you talk to has done it in a completely different way, completely different background, a completely different source of money. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, obviously, yeah, sure. Are there a lot of people do real estate, but there's a hundred other ways that people are out there making large sums of money that have done it very much on their own. And it's just impressive. And it's, I think it's one of those where like, if you've heard something and it didn't really resonate with you, you don't have to force yourself into making money that way. There's going to be something out there that lines up with your aptitudes and your interests. And and it kind of fits into the way you see in your life going.
0: And I think the whole thing is just getting creative, like not doing the thing that everybody else says. And that sounds so cliche and (laughs) everyone's like, be different, do something different. But it's really just like taking a slightly different angle, taking a slightly different approach to something or being willing to make sacrifices when sacrifices are needed. Because know we're talking about content creation now. But Justin, you've literally multiplied your income by like a factor of three plus over the past, say five years. And you you know, haven't really focused on entrepreneurship at all. But I feel like you've taken some like creative decisions and like some big leaps that other people might be scared to take to get to the position you're at. So I think no matter what it is, whether it's entrepreneurship or regular W-2 job, no matter what, like as long as you can get creative and figure out a solution that works for you, you can get to that end goal.
1: Definitely appreciate all the hype you threw my way, but I got to hype you up because obviously you do a ton of great things with the entrepreneurial side that for whatever reason, I just never really stick with and get too deep into. But I know that you got inspired from some things you learned at FinCon and there's probably some takeaways that you're going to focus on your businesses. Like what are some of those? One of the biggest ones
0: was that I need to focus more on organic traffic. So for the courses I have in particular, most of our stuff comes from affiliates. We do paid ads as well, but I am just dropping the ball on getting like, you know, Google search traffic, traffic through YouTube. And I went through a couple of great sessions about just like having an organic traffic strategy. So that's something I'm definitely be working a lot on is just making really high quality content that will get people into my ecosystem. And then ultimately we can funnel them down to sell products Another thing that was really interesting was just working with brands. I know we've done a bit of it. You guys hear sponsors in the podcast, but we just haven't done a good enough job with outreach. And I went to this one session. I'll give them a shout out. It's David and John from Queer Money Podcast. And they have just done a phenomenal job. They've been signing, you know, multiple five figure deals with major brands and, you know, their podcast downloads are super similar to ours. And I'm like, Maybe we're just not doing enough outreach. So actually, literally today I worked on a new brand kit that we can, you know, present to these companies and start to be more legit and legitimized. So I'm excited for some partnerships down the road. I know there's a lot of awesome companies in the personal finance space that I would love to work with. And I know that we'd love to work with on the Fi show. There are a lot of garbage ones. Justin and I do get quite a bit of emails from you name it, so many companies that are just seem so spammy that want to work with us and sponsor the show and that's not for us. So what we're looking for and what we're definitely going to be focusing on, and I'm just so reinvigorated by watching this presentation that these guys put on, is finding some awesome new partners for this year. So that's that's another thing I'm excited about, another thing on my to-do list. And Justin, I'm not going to throw you under the bus on this, but you know, FinCon, most of the sessions are about making wise financial decisions, saving money, not making crazy purchases. But you mentioned a purchase to me when we were at a coffee shop at FinCon, and I was like, there is no way Justin is serious about this. You want to, you want to try to convince me that this is the right move?
1: Yeah, let me do the best convincing I can. This is the same way, I guess, I would probably talk to my own self when I'm trying to convince myself that this is okay to do, right? Because I think as anyone, when we want something, we can we're very convincing to our own selves, which I also fully understand that as much as I get destroyed at times on the internet for how frugal I am, now I will get ultimately destroyed for not being frugal enough anymore. There's, uh, there's, I don't know where the happy medium is, but uh, apparently it's it's a very tough needle to thread. <laughs> So what I plan to be doing, and hopefully I'll actually be getting my hands on it in the next six weeks or so, is buying uh, not only a brand new vehicle, but a brand new full-size pickup truck, which I would think most people would think is definitely not frugal. Um, it definitely, if you're doing it, it is only because it is a, just a pure enjoyment purchase. There's no way that it could be financially sound. I want to make a little argument. This specific situation is going to be a worthy experiment. And I say experiment because the idea that I have is I think that I could own this truck for a year, and if it is does not meet all my expectations and I don't think it's worth it, that I could actually get out of the truck and not have spent any money. Now, how I think this will work is a couple things. New full-size trucks like an F-150, a Silverado, things like that, they have great resale value, especially when they're fairly new. Different vehicles depreciate at different rates. And right now with all the chip shortages that have happened with COVID, used car prices are like at a premium. I literally could not get a 2019 with say 30,000 miles on it for much cheaper than I'm going to get this truck. And when I say this truck, the cool thing about this truck is that I found a dealership who was willing to do 3% below invoice. Now, not 3% below MSRP. 3% 3% below invoice, which is lower than MSRP. And in today's current environment with the chip shortage and everything, there's actually a lot of dealers, a lot of dealers who are marking up things like full-size trucks are in high demand over MSRP. I test drove a truck where they wanted $5,000 over MSRP. And so you take a truck that not only are you getting an MSRP, but you're getting, and not only are you getting an invoice, which is lower than MSRP, you're getting 3% below that And a lot of people who study the kind of the prices of vehicles think two things are going to happen. They think that commodity prices have went up, which, you know, you look at the price of wood, you look at the price of anything, steel, the prices have went up. So they forecast that the price of a new vehicle next year is going to go up more than usual. They also expect that the pressure of these chip shortages are going to create that same kind of you know, high demand, low supply, where dealers are not giving any kind of discounts. They're they're maybe pushing up the MSRP. The used market stays really high. So the way I look at it is I've got a vehicle that I've gotten cheaper than you generally could get one new. You've got market conditions that are gonna make that resale value as high as they ever would be for hopefully the next eighteen months, but at least the next twelve. And that gives me this perfect storm of where I feel like I can buy this truck, drive it for a year. And if it like literally is a game changer and I love it, then fine. Like I've hit some financial milestones that I feel like I can kind of take the foot off the gas. But if it really was like, you know what, I was just kind of itching to try something new and this didn't make that big a difference, then I'll sell it for what I bought it for. The other cool thing about it is getting to build the vehicle exactly the way you want it. So it's one thing to get a brand new car, but most of the time people just go to a dealership And they're like, man, you know, I was really wanting the leather interior in charcoal gray. They get there and it's like, okay, we got a red one with the leather interior. Or we've got the charcoal one with the cloth interior. And you just can't find that exact thing you want with every little detail the way you want it. But I don't know why I never thought of it. You can just go online and build the truck to the T the way you want it. And print out the PDF and send it to the dealership of your choice. And they order it for you. So... I don't even know why people go to dealerships and buy cars now that I think about it, unless they're just (laughs) so impatient that they're like, it is not worth me getting what I want to wait a few weeks, which is just insane to me. But so, yeah, I'm I'm learning tons about whether it be buying the house, buy the truck. Like I've just learned so much and I'm kind of challenging myself to reassess if there's certain things that I always thought were such a terrible financial decision. There's no way I would ever do it. To say, Maybe I was being a little overly restrictive. Maybe there are things, if you're creative, that uh, you can figure out a way to do and not get too upside down on it. Sorry, that was a, a long response. So I was right, all about the creativity, huh? It's all about the creativity. Well, I was just wasn't really
0: knocking at the beginning there because I know actually a while back. I don't know when the last time you mentioned it was, but you know, you hit phi. What was the official date?
1: Uh, it's probably in like January or.
0: And so I remember, you know, back a couple dozen episodes ago, at least, that you say, you know, once you hit FI, you're going to work an extra year or maybe like a year and a half or two years, and you're just going to maybe have a year of spending. Is this, that, is this that year of spending for you?
1: It's definitely much more spending than I would normally have. I don't foresee a world where my savings rate gets under, probably not even under 70%, definitely not under 60%. So like... It's crazy that even on a, on these years where it's like I'm trying to spend as much money and buy all the things I would want, that I am still increasing, you know, the amount of money that I get to spend in retirement. I'm still saving a lot of money, and I'm still at a savings rate that would actually give you a fairly short professional career in the first place, even though I'm already financially independent. So, yeah, it's but it's also giving me opportunities to maybe invest in some things that I wouldn't have normally invested in. Not only from buying physical things like some nice tools and a truck and a house and whatever, but there might be some other syndication type deals, might be something a little more risky that I'm just willing to take a couple home run shots at now that I'm I'm past the hard part. I've, I've put in my work, I've put in my time, and now it's time to start kind of playing a little bit. As long as I'm making decisions that don't you know really negatively affect me for the long term, then I feel comfortable uh, kind of playing around a little bit.
0: Well, I can definitely resonate with the you know, trying to get out of that frugal box cause a purchase I just made recently that I have literally been going back and forth for months and my girlfriend Lauren was like, just buy it, just buy it, just buy week after week after week, finally bought a new snowboard after eleven years with my old one. And that thing was beat. The bindings were a shot. Like I had to always just jerry rig it with repairs. Finally splurge was like six hundred bucks for a new board and binding. And you know, that's like a lot of money. So I didn't want to make the purchase. And you know, my frugal roots were like, the old one's fine, you can still ride on it. But I just know it's going to be so much better of an experience. So I'm glad I finally caved. And I hopefully I can have more of those, you know, quote unquote, caves in the future. But I think you're right, Justin, it's, it's all about making the non crippling financial decisions. Like neither of us are going out and buying a $2 million house, or we're not going and buying a Lamborghini that's going to have or at least a Lamborghini even worse, that has like a $1,500 a month, like we're not doing that. So I think it's totally fine when you go and splurge on the nice truck that you want or that nice power tool that you've always been eyeing or, you know, that vacation that you've always been dreaming of. It's when you get the really high recurring expenses month over month over month. That's what kills you. And that's what puts people in debt and, you know, jeopardizes
1: their financial future. Absolutely. And uh, maybe you can inspire me to up my snow sport gear because I'm still (laughs) rocking. It was used rental gear that I got. My skis, boots, bindings, everything was $50 that I purchased in 2014. I'm not even sure like the brakes on the skis don't really work. Like if you don't know, it's like when you come out of your skis, if you ever fall, they kind of stick in the snow to keep them from running away from you. (laughs) My bindings are very sketchy, but you know, I'm still ripping black diamonds on them. uh, So we'll see. I I do need to replace those bad boys though.
0: Well, Justin, cheers to bigger and better purchases in the responsible way we're buying better quality stuff hopefully you get that new ski gear i know you know you got the truck you got the house the ski gear is the natural next thing and if you guys enjoyed this episode you want to get a quick summary of what justin and i talked about today you can do that at the slash fincon 21 that's the slash fincon 21 and as always if you want to
1: check out our facebook group page you can do so at the slash community and we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefishow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening.